For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello, long lost friends. Uh, what's up, Sterling? What's up, uh, Jordan? It's always great to have a new guest here. Um, hello, everyone in Chiefs Kingdom, Arrowhead Addicts out there. We're glad to have you. I'm glad to be back. I just flew in from Germany, and boy, are my arms tired. I've been waiting a long time to make that joke. Anyway, I'm fresh in from vacation. Sterling's already tired of my puns. How are you guys today? I hope the beer was better than your puns. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, that's always true. That's always true. Hey, I'll say this. I said this on Twitter. We went to the world's oldest operating brewery. Some monks started it in 1040. I ordered a beer there 982 years later. I don't know how that works, but in Germany, they got weird things like history. So, yeah, there you go. Um, anyway, by the way, I was telling our producer, Richard, this, you know, like the whole like Bavarian getup, like lederhosen and like like what women and men wear for Oktoberfest. Did you wear a beer maid's outfit? <laughs> Dude, I didn't. But like legit, like like whether you're 20 or 40 or 60, we saw like people of every generation wearing oh, yeah, that. Sh- sure. They they wear that shit like on a Tuesday just to go drinking. Like every night there were dozens of people wearing that. And I'm like. It's like a cost. I just couldn't believe it was like uh, so prevalent. You think it's like Oktoberfest gear and it's just like it's Wednesday wear. You weren't tempted to, to put one on, give it a try? Is that not a- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah, you would thrive in a beer maid's outfit. I, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to leave I, it there. Yeah, I, I don't even want to touch it. Look, I thought it was big news. I got back from Germany. I scouted it for the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs, whoop. We'll, we'll probably learn later on this offseason that the Chiefs will make it to Munich um, at some point to play in Germany. They got awarded the territory with the NFL's expanding international markets that everyone applied for. Um, and so it was fun to go there and kind of see what it would be like if you were to follow the Chiefs out there. However, my news is trumped. By the way, not only if you don't know Jordan Mannix, he's been a, a contributor with Arrowhead Addict for a long time. But Jordan just became a father, folks. For the first time, he just told us less than a week ago. Yeah. How is everyone? Yeah, I mean, everyone's great. Uh, baby actually came a little bit early. Uh, mom was on bed rest for a few weeks, so had a couple minor complications. Baby came early, but he's super healthy. Um, we were able to bring him home on Sunday a couple days after he was born. Uh, and everybody's just, we're just kind of adjusting to that whole sleep schedule at this point so i'm running on fumes just a tad and starting paternity tomorrow i'm pretty excited oh man that congratulations by what's his name by the way have you chosen his name judah paul so yeah yeah so yeah that's great he's a cute little guy that's great man that's great you share pictures and whatever if you want on twitter and you guys can follow jordan um on twitter at chief in st louis or stl on twitter but we're here to talk chiefs we know, personal updates aside, besides uh, Sterling's crappy golf game or whatever else we could talk Dude, about. Dude, I got the fucking hosels. Don't even bring that up right now, okay? <laughs> hey, let's, um, before we do, I was just talking about the great beer I had in Germany using actually the same Germanic formula, our awesome sponsors at KC Beer. Sterling, you want to give them a shout? We, we love we love daring to be here differently. Okay, let's be real here, guys. You've heard us talk about it, and there's a reason. It's because they are incredible. KC Beer Company, since the German purity law of 1516, they've used the same four ingredients, malt, hops, water, yeast, 
It's made in KC for KC. Frankly, all the great beers that Matt Connor got in Germany, he could have just gone to Waldo and picked it up at the KC Beer Company because their beer is that good. They have won both local and international awards. They've literally won an award in Germany for how good their beer is. You've heard us talk about it. It's for a valid reason. Every time you guys send us a picture on Twitter, tagging us, tagging Casey Beer Company. You have no idea how much that means to us personally. It's great for the brand. And just, I give it some to like my friends and they try to like Sterling, you're, you're sponsored by them. How good can this really be? They try and go, holy shit, this is phenomenal. We're not lying. It is that good. With that said, Let's talk Chiefs. <laughs> Let's talk Chiefs. We're glad to have Jordan here um, because uh, there's, there's quite a few things to talk about. The NFL draft is coming up. I know a lot of us are just locked in our draft simulators and whatnot. But really for this episode, we want to talk about the legitimacy of the roster before the draft and some moves the Chiefs maybe will make, have made, and what we'd like to see before Brett Veach and company have to make their 12 scheduled selections. Oh, we don't really think they're going to make 12, by the way, do we? Do, do, do any of us think they're going to submit 12 names? I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't be opposed, at least the early ones. I would love for them to keep those uh, those early draft picks. The best way to replenish yeah. a, a roster for the long run is to get cheap, young, controllable talent. This is the only way to do it. I... I'm on the same page with you, Sterling, that I'd love to see that happen. I just think with all these rumors swirling where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I really feel like the Chiefs are trying to trade one of those first-round picks mm. for, for a proven player, and that probably means one or two other uh, earlier picks as well. So I'll be curious to see what happens. Interesting. Let's uh... – Let's talk one of those names, at least, and it w- it certainly wouldn't be a first-round pick. But let's talk, like, maybe some of the moves the Chiefs may make. Because today, um, Jeffrey Chidiha, Chadi, I don't know how to say his Jeffrey Chidiha, he's a really good dude. I actually play basketball with him sometimes at Lifetime. He's a fantastic guy. Man, okay. Not only that, Sterling is playing basketball with him. Maybe Sterling has the inside track. Um, Jeffrey reported today that maybe, just maybe, all the smoke around James Bradbury and a trade to the Chiefs might not be exactly what we've heard. Today, he said there's considerable distance from the Chiefs and pointed to the over $13 million that the Chiefs would have to take on, um, saying, nope, that's the hurdle, and there's just really not the interest there. We see these kind of things go back and forth, right? Like someone is leaking this information to various reporters as things come out. Just a few days ago, Aaron Wilson said that the Chiefs and Brad and, and the Giants were like working on a trade. And now we say there's there's distance between it. So let me let me throw this out. Jordan, we'll start with you. What's the legitimacy of this rumor versus what we've heard in the past? Um, like, like how do you I, I want to get both of you sort of reading the tea leaves, if you will, and, and see what you think of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess that there was absolutely legitimacy before. I, I think the biggest thing right now is not so much the draft compensation. I think it is that salary, right? Um, I mean, he's 28 years old. If they wanted to lower that cap hit, they'd have to extend him. They've shown that they don't really want to do that with guys that are getting close to that 30-year-old uh, age range. So, I mean, in my opinion, I think the initial rumors were accurate. I don't even necessarily think that kind of the public posturing right now means that there's absolutely no way this happens. It could just be the Chiefs wanted them to know that, hey, we're not interested at all unless you're able to eat some of this salary. So, I mean, I think a lot of that, you know, a lot of the reports that we see all the time that go back and forth, part of that is probably just the front office for each team kind of posturing themselves a little bit publicly. So, um, you know, whether or not that's 100% accurate, I I think if they could get him for a mid-round pick and have the Giants eat some of that salary, he's somebody they'd love to pick up. Hmm. Sterling, what's your take on that? Yeah, I agree. You're not eating all of that capital or else you would have kept Traverius Ward and extended him. That's what it comes down to. Traverius Ward's cheaper. I think Traverius Ward might even be better. There's no reason why you'd give up a mid-round draft pick to bring in and sign or extend an older cornerback. The Chiefs aren't going to do that. I think there's probably more relevance to the Chiefs weren't in on him uh, than there is they're all in 
on James Bradbury. I think, yeah, it'd be a great player to have, but it comes with a caveat of, of the cap situation. It's just they don't value cornerback the way either they should or the way that we think they should, correct? They they love these underrated guys. They have a uh, archetype in place, and they try and hit that. That tends to be a late-round athletic type, a guy that they can make and mold and fit their system. James Bradbury, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that the Kansas City Chiefs would go after at cornerback. Okay. if um, Let me ask you this. What draft compensation would be too high for you there? I mean, are you looking at like a late pick? Uh, Jordan, you mentioned a mid-round pick. Yeah. I mean, anything higher than a fourth, I would probably be a little bit I mean, irritated is maybe not the right word, but I tend to agree with Sterling. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see them use those, you know, first, second, third round picks, um, you know, all of them if possible. So anything really higher than a fourth round, because I mean, with a lot of the fourth round guys, they're kind of borderline throwaway picks. I mean, just, you know, not to, to call anybody out, but we've seen a lot of guys in the fourth round that just haven't panned out immediately. Um, so that's probably what I've I'd like to see something like a fourth or a fifth round pick. But again, I'm with Sterling that there's no way they do it at the current cap hit. So it's kind of a non-starter if there was no flexibility there. So that's the part that we'll probably never know is how much real flexibility was there. There were rumors that the Giants would eat some of that. Was that complete BS or was you know there some truth to that? Yeah. I think if the Chiefs have a posture, a believable posture, that they don't need Bradbury, that they're willing to go into the draft with Fenton and Sneed as the two core pillars there and then add as needed in or after the draft, then maybe the Giants begin to capitulate there and that turns into something legitimate. Mm-hmm. But the Chiefs have to have something believable there. This offseason is the one for me that's tilting all the narratives. So we say in the past, oh, the Chiefs don't do this at corner. But the Chiefs also just traded Tyreek Hill and are upending everything. We've like we've lost Hitchens, we've lost Matthew. We like like but, I think but, there's doesn't a- that tell you something, Matt? Doesn't that tell you something? They want to get younger and they want to get cheaper and they want to get more cost controlled. Bringing in James Bradbury goes right. against everything they have just done. There's yeah. no reason you would trade Tyree Kill. You wouldn't re-sign Tyron Matthew. You let Shaverius Ward walk if you're going to bring in an older cornerback and, and James Bradbury at that cost. He's still going to take a contract, a sure. decent contract. So to, to me, I think the Chiefs have a plan in place. It's not one that's palatable to the fans. It's one that's going to be, um, I think, makes them less talented in 2022. But yeah. does it make them better for the future? Does this set them up for long-term success? If you want a Kansas City Royals scenario, does this make them better over an extended period? Or do they have that one peak in 2015 where they win the World Series? This gives yeah. them that potential dynasty long-term success ratio going all in with Tyreek, Tyron Matthew, a James Bradbury for one or two seasons. That's it. Yeah, I do agree it would send some serious mixed signals. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess I wasn't saying, like, trade big and sign him big. <laughs> I just don't think that, like, I mean, he's yeah, he's older, but he still could be mm-hmm. a valuable addition. And at the right price, or even if you even if you grab him and then extend him out another year to level out some of that money, and, the, and if the cap hit's not too bad, I just don't think that maybe because the Chiefs haven't made any real movement at corner before that they won't now – given that that's a thing. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, that every corner doesn't have to be luxurious sneak later draft pick. Yeah. Well, and just to add to that point, I mean, they haven't done anything at corner. They've lost guys. They're going into the draft. That's not usually how they like to go into the draft. So I really think they're turning over every stone. And so, again, I I think it's a stretch at at the current price, but if they could somehow get some, you know, leverage on that salary cap, I could see it. Let's stick in the secondary here. And by the way, we want to say a shout out um, to some of our members, some of you in the chat, those of you who are listening, uh, wherever you're listening on your favorite podcast player. um, Just want to say what's up to all of you. It's good to see you all again. We're talking Chiefs football here. We're talking roster additions potentially. But one guy that we thought may come back now is, is not. Looks like he could potentially have a reunion with Dirty Dan in the Big Easy. Sterling Holmes, what do you make, Jordan, what do you make of, like, Tyron is making his first visit uh, to any team as he's hanging out with the Saints in their uh, their facility. That was a hell of a defense they sported last year. Like, what do you make of of Matthew going there? 
What Jeff was going to do? Uh, Tired Matthew goes, finally, no more Dan Sorensen. I don't have to do this anymore. And now, okay, get the cameras ready. Those arms are going up. I don't really get what the Saints are going to do with this. They have a lot more pressing issues, a.k.a. quarterback. Where I'm coming from here is Tyron Matthews' market once what he thought it was, and now he's he's stuck. Do you think he wants to go to the Saints and not compete for a championship? He's got to take the only offer out there. Yeah, I, I I actually think it's pretty wild. I mean, I didn't think he was a top of the market safety, but I really had I had no qualms signing him to kind of a mid level contract. And the fact that he's essentially generated no interest, I mean, it does kind of seem like you know this is he's now stuck between a rock and a hard place and he's going to have to take really whoever gives him a a two to three year deal, which I mean, at this point, everybody's got their safety and he's a, you know, he's reaching that 30 year mark, which he's still got talent, but he definitely declined slightly from year to year with the Chiefs. So yeah. Business decisions. Yeah. You want to become the highest paid safety in the NFL. I understand you're on your last year. You're trying to get your last big contract. But when you take business decisions, that is going to be held against you. Yep. I, I will say this about the Saints. I like seeing him go to the NFC if that's going to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I think there's still enough in the tank there. And I, he's a leader of men. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, I'd hate to see him latch on with the Chargers or, or like some other team where it'd be like, oh, great. I just, you know, the idea of facing Matthew, it just sounds much better. Yeah, yeah, go home to the Big Easy. We love it. Yeah, New Orleans, what a great story. Thank goodness is part of my thought process. But yeah, I, by the way, did you see this coming at all? Like, like, was there any part of you that thought this was how this is going to play out with Matthew, that he's still a free agent as of April 5th and there's yeah. been zero real rumors around him at all? I mean, I got to be honest, if if I'm Matthew, I'm frustrated with my agent because you'd have to imagine that guy was kicking the tires before they, you know, put their number in front of the Chiefs because, you know, who knows for sure, right? The Chiefs are kind of reticent to sign those older guys, but... I really can't imagine they wouldn't have given him a middle of the market, you know, two to three year deal. Like, I think he was good enough for that. He He's a great player. I don't know if he's elite, but, you know, my assumption is he wanted 14, 15 million a year and he wasn't going to take any less. So if I'm him, I'm, I'd be pissed at my agent because, you know, I would have never seen this coming. Yeah, 100%. The agent has got to take some share of the blame here. I'm 100% with Jordan right there. I I just don't know what his contract ends up being, right? Is he going to have so much pride where he's like, you know what, I'm not playing for a two-year, $20 million contract. Does he have so much pride? He goes, I I would rather just not play. Because him on Twitter is all about, you know, keeping the faith and it's going to happen and he's going to get this and bet on yourself. He bet on himself. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's hard to tell to you. Like, it's always these cryptic reads, right? So it's mm-hmm. always like, keep grinding, keep shining. No cussing, no fussing, no muss. Like, you know, like all his tweets are like things on my grandma's wall. And you're like, <laughs> is, is that like, like it's part, it's part like inspirational poster at the dentist, part grandma cross stitch on the wall. Yeah. You know, you're like, does this reference to anything or nothing at all? Or so we're always trying to like read into it. Like, does that mean there's a deal coming? Does that mean rain is coming because your knee hurts? Like, what does this even mean? I, I will also say this for as much fuss as some folks may make about the cap. Remember mm-hmm. when the Saints were like $69 million under the <laughs> yeah. cap and now they're still going to sign or potentially sign a multi or double digit per season safety? I, yeah. I know the cap is real and eventually you have to pay the piper. It's going to happen. But this does show that there are ways year in and year out to get around it. I know they don't have a top end quarterback. So that's really helping the Saints out, at least for this few seasons. But something to keep in the back of, the, of, the, of your mind there is if they really wanted to keep Tyree Kill, if they really wanted to keep Tyron Matthew or Chivarius Ward, they could have. They're just deciding to go in a different route. Well, and to that point, I think you got to give each credit one for Matthew because, I mean, he, he called his bluff, right? And look mm-hmm. look now, I mean, they, it, you know, all, again, not to call anybody out, but there's other GMs that we've had in the past that, you know, might have 
have paid Matthew, you know, a lot more than he was worth. And so, um, you know, you got to give each credit there for sure. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, um, I want to give uh, each of you guys a, uh, questions that are coming in the, the chat here real fast. Jordan, I want to go to you here. Could the Chiefs go ahead and sign Matthew for a smaller amount for one year? Do you like? Do you think that's on the table at, at all, or do you think this is just a this is just a lost cause at this point to dream yeah. of a reunion? I mean, with the signing of Justin Reed, I, I think it makes it challenging, right? Because you got Thornhill, you got Reed. I'm assuming those are going to be your two, the two guys that get most of the snaps. Um, you know, they run a lot of three safety sets, so it, it wouldn't shock me um, if he came in at the right price. That That's from the Chiefs angle, though. From the Matthew angle, I get the sense that, like, he kind of has that, like, bridge-burned mentality where – you know, and again, I'm totally reading the tea leaves here. Like, I don't know the guy personally, but just based off the way he kind of communicates, I get the sense that, like, he, he kind of looks at what the Chiefs did as, like, they weren't grateful for his services and, and all that jazz. So I find it hard to believe that he would actually want to, especially now, like, coming back on, like, a one-year deal for, like, $8 million. I mean, that that's the type of stuff where you have to really swallow your pride and Um, you know, I don't really get the sense that, that Matthew's that type of player. So I would say the chiefs would do it if it were reasonably priced, but I I just don't see it from Matthew's end. Yeah. Well well said. Well said. Sterling Jerome bunkers has a question here about the kind of trade up the chiefs can get for their seventh rounders. And then Jacob Knight just also asked from Facebook, more than likely, are we willing, are we going to trade up in the draft overall? Just curious your take there on uh, the chiefs have four seventh round picks. And they have, they have none in the fifth and the sixth. Yeah. And then two in the first four rounds. So, you know, like what kind of action are you expecting there early and late? I, as far as the seventh rounders go, there's not really much you can do with those. It's easy to trade into the seventh round as far as trading those for for a lot of value. You're going to be hard-pressed because, like you, like you said, there's – it's almost a crapshoot at that point, whether it's undrafted or seventh rounders. There's not a huge difference as far as more likely to trade up than trade back. Uh, if you're looking at history, Brett Veach is going to trade up, but this year could be different. He showed more restraint. They had a number on Tyree Kill. Once they realized that Tyree Kill wanted more than that, they showed restraint by trading him. Uh, they showed restraint by not giving Chivarius Ward $14 million per season. Again, I probably would have but they showed restraint by not. They have a plan in place, and that's the way they're going. Same thing with Tyron Matthew. This could be a draft where we see him trade back. Maybe some some team really wants to get into the first round because they want that fifth-year option. Uh, maybe some quarterback that you know might be available. This is not a great quarterback draft class, but maybe mm-hmm. someone, someone wants that fifth-year option on a guy. This could be potential for them to trade back, get rid of 29 or 30. doesn't really matter because you're getting your guy whenever you want him. This feels like the first year we might see a, a Veach trade back. It, that's interesting because the Chiefs already have plenty of picks. Mm-hmm. So to accrue more picks, it's like, well, how many? I'm assuming if they traded back out of the first round, then they would also probably move up quite a bit from the third and fourth round. Like, you know, probably be moving down into the second and then also maybe moving up into the second to put together three or four second round picks instead of just, you know, I mean, like who wants a 20 member draft class, you know, like mm-hmm. when you when you're going to be able to add seven to 10 rookies overall on the sure. roster. And maybe it's for the uh, next season, you know, maybe it's for the, the next draft. Uh, not all draft prospects are going to pan out. As we obviously know, it can be a second rounder Breland speaks. It can be a fifth rounder Cornell Powell. It's difficult. They're not all going to make the roster. If Cornell Powell would have been on this year's, team when they draft him he's probably at least going to make the roster but now you might not i mean mm-hmm. the chiefs had more talent last year at least overall wide receiver now they don't who, who knows what cornell powell brings who knows what joshua kando brings there's still guys who didn't play last year from from the previous draft class so crazy hey um we're talking chiefs we're talking the chiefs roster just want to say if you've ever thought of joining the arrowhead addict roster uh want to bring up our youtube membership um just want to let you know for 4.99 a month membership gets you access to youtube sub badges to show your addict flair custom emojis to use during live streams early access to exclusive interviews and videos but most importantly we have a private discord server where all of our addicts are there we hang out there matt verderam hangs out there when he's not busy um taking care of a newborn 
Patrick Allen hangs out there, Sterling, myself, a lot of our contributors on AA, all of that. Um, we talk muck drafts, Chiefs moves, really kind of like even beer. There's a tavern, AA tavern, where we talk beer. There's, there's cereal. There's <laughs> NCAA, MLB, and NBA. Um, you'll find me a lot in the AA library. If you have any books that you've thought about or want to get ideas on we also talk books we're a bunch of nerds too it's awesome sterling is the lavar burton of arrowhead addict anyway uh, also we have a monthly happy hour where we hang out just kind of crack open a beer or have a drink or eat a bowl of cereal hang out with each other next one's on april 25th so make sure to sign up now the link to join can be found in the description of this video or the audio podcast however you're playing or hanging out with us uh let's talk chiefs roster a little bit further here because um, they made a signing today. Taylor Stallworth, defensive tackle, formerly of the New Orleans Saints, then of the Indianapolis Colts for the last two years. Undrafted free agent out of South Carolina. Used to play with Rashad Fenton back in his college days. Uh, Is now uh, the newest member of the Chiefs' defensive interior. Like it? Don't like it? Don't care? What's your thoughts? You need guys. You got to fill out a roster somehow. And he is, I would say maybe more productive and less playing time than a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. Um, He had 22 total QB pressures during 16 games. He had one start. Uh, That's pretty good. 22 pressures from an interior defense alignment and the amount of snaps he had shows that he actually can get pressure up the middle. He had three sacks uh, per PFF. He was the 53rd best interior defender this past season. Um, again, you need guys. Is he some elite game changer? No, but if, if he can be a guy who in limited amount of snaps can get pressure on the quarterback who can maybe help Chris Jones a little bit, then yeah, this is a useful signing. Yeah, I, I would say kind of the same thing. I think he's purely a rotational player, but I, I do think it gives them a little insurance, right? If, if say they want to draft an uh, interior defense lineman in the draft, they don't have to grab a guy in the second or third round. They could potentially take, you know, a guy in the later rounds, a developmental guy, because, I mean, they do have a couple guys that have been on the team for a few years that they're going to have to make some decisions about. So my estimation is they're going to, to pick an interior defensive lineman or maybe two. Um, and, again, this makes it so they don't have to have a guy who can play this year necessarily or, or who's going to get a huge number of snaps even. Um, so I, I like it. I'm not expecting him to, you know, crack the, the starting lineup though. Yeah. I, was, I, uh, I reached out to a friend who covers the Colts earlier today and he said, Hey, look, this guy was a run stuffer. Great. Like a, like a dependable run stuffer, rotational guy, just like you're talking about. And they said this year, suddenly he was like a, a disruptor. Like suddenly he just began to show at like the age of 26 or whatever in year four, he just began to add this pass rushing arsenal that wasn't there before. And he came out with what I think like 12 knockdowns, three sacks, you know, I mean, which a rotational interior, if Turk Wharton had three sacks, we'd be like, that's awesome. You know, yeah. if, if Derek Naughty had three sacks, great. You know, like, like those are like really solid numbers inside for a guy who's just going to play you know, a, a dozen snaps in the game and then get back out of there or whatever it is. So um, it seems like maybe, you know, some guys are late bloomers. And if the Chiefs like what they saw, said that he's a late bloomer here, um, then maybe it's kind of a nice signing under the radar. Um, what does this do to the competition on interior linemen? The Chiefs re-signed Derek Naughty for one year, nearly $3 million. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me that he didn't walk in free agency. So you've got Chris Jones, you've got Derek Naughty, you've got Colin Saunders, You've got Turk Wharton, and then now you've added Taylor Smallworth to the bit. Usually they only go in with four guys, maybe five. If a guy gets drafted, that becomes real crowded real quick. And there's even some others on the roster that we haven't talked about, Andrew Billings, Cortez Broughton, whatever. So I guess I'm just wondering to you guys, how is this competition shaking out? And and do you think that, like, are one of these guys going to get traded, released, that that – is a name player. Better not mean Chris Jones is trying out at edge again. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. As long as this doesn't mean Chris Jones is going, all right, guys, we have enough people interior on the interior. I'm going back outside. <laughs> if this is who the, the room is, I'm fine with it because uh, I think there's a lot of talent with some of the younger guys. I do think Colin Saunders just – it's going to take time. He was drafted as a developmental guy, and you have to give developmental guys time. It's the same thing with TK. 
TK was starting to do pretty solid for the Saints this year because this is when he was going to bloom, and then he got hurt. So we're never going to see exactly probably what his peak was going to be, this at least this upcoming season. So as long as they don't rush out of some of their developmental guys and they give them the opportunity to grow, then I'm okay. Yeah, and I was going to say too, I mean, from the standpoint of some of these guys getting cut, I mean, you got to remember they've got, what, about $20 on ballparking it a little bit in terms of cap room. So – if they have to cut some guys that they signed to, you know, one-year deals that are a couple hundred grand, a million, you know, in dead money, I, I don't know that that's going to – as long as they get the right guys, you know, in place, I think that's really the focus. Um, again, that's not including if they were to trade for somebody and extend them and eat up a bunch of that cap. But I don't know that I'm, like, super stoked about the room right now, but, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what they're able to do in the draft. Yeah, I'll say, again, I was surprised at the return of Nadi. Like, I just thought there was going to be a real – I thought that there – I thought there – and there still could be a major draft investment. Resigning a guy for one year, 2 point something million, isn't going to keep you from doing that. Yeah. But that is mo- much more than the minimum. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. they brought him back at, like, one year, one million, and you're like, oh, who cares if, if Blake Bell comes or goes, it's no problem. Like, that is, a, that is a little bit of chunk of change there. And bringing him back makes the room a little bit more crowded – uh, I will say if I'm another team like the Colts, for example, or or maybe someone who needs another in, interior lineman, I'm calling the Chiefs about Saunders because he is that developmental guy. You got to question whether he'll really ever have the room to grow into a role there. And he's been injured. Remember, he had an elbow injury out for like half a year or so. So I, I like that's the kind of guy I would like to roll the dice on if I'm a GM and I'm calling the Chiefs. And maybe the Chiefs would be like, you know, we don't really have the room and if you could recoup a fifth round pick for what was a third round pick do you make that deal it's tough for kansas city because when you are in win now mode you don't have time to let guys develop because you need immediate impact players and you don't have to be great you just have to know where to be and not be uh horrible right or at least below average and that's the issue with a lot of rookies or developmental prospects is probably why josh Rakando. If he was on Jacksonville, he's probably getting a lot of snaps last year. In Kansas City, even though they had edge issues, they need guys who can they can trust, guys who won't completely mess up from time to time. The Chiefs are in a different situation than a lot of other teams. They know what's at stake. They know that a, a, a misplay, and that's why I was frustrated watching Dan Sorensen last year, because <laughs> he's a veteran who was making rookie mistakes. That That's an issue. I mean... I'm with you. Colin Saunders might be a good player, but it's going to be tough to get him snaps when the Chiefs understand what's at stake here. Yeah, you know, when you see Turk Wharton in the same rookie class getting immediate snaps out of Missouri S&T as an undrafted guy, and then Saunders is not able to make the same leap out, you know, out of a small school in Illinois. Yeah, I, I, it's uh, you just wonder if he's ever going to put it all together and whether it'd be worth recouping the pick or not. Sterling, you're right. You just don't have the roster spot to like keep the gambles for forever. You got to say, all right, we've been two years. We got to move on. So maybe that's the case. Maybe not. We're, we're talking about the the state of the roster and the interior there. And and over like let's let's pan the camera back. I want to get a bigger picture here. And and really overall the focus here for for the next part of the conversation. How draft re- like let me I'll say this up front. I think I think all of us are on the same page, right? When I say that it's and the Chiefs seem to like this too. Like we want to have our roster pretty like we want to feel good about every position on the roster so that you can go into the draft not feeling forced to grab a certain pick position, you know, like you never want to force the board, right? So when I say a draft ready roster, that's what I'm talking about. I think we all want to get there. I think the Chiefs want to get there. So I want to look at the offense first of all. How draft ready? Jordan, we'll start with you here. Is there a position on the offensive side? that has you thinking, if the Chiefs want to be draft ready, they're not here? Or are you feeling good about the offense overall? Yeah, so, I mean, the way I usually look at it, right, is like, you know, you want to have at least average to above average players at every position. Um, You don't have to have stars to feel like you can roll a guy out there and get significant snaps. Um, So just kind of going down – the line. I mean, the first thing, really, I would say the only two positions that stick out to me that I'm very worried about would be right tackle. And, and when I say very worried, I, I do think Lucas Niang has 
talent and has the ability to, to be an above average right tackle. And I think Andrew Wiley's played that position really well. Um, but the, are those guys that I want to rely on for a full 17 game season? I'm a little bit unsure about that. So um, I'm not 100% sold on that position. It's not something I think they need to reach for. But again, I, I could see them taking a tackle in one of their first three to four picks uh, for a guy they, they you know, at least want to provide some depth there. The second would be running back. I, I don't think they're going to really make any moves there. I think bringing in uh, Ronald Jones, in my mind, kind of seals the deal for him at that position. Um, I could be totally wrong. We were talking about it in the Arrowhead Attic chat today that, you know, if they find a, a Kareem Hunt-like, you know, player in the third round, you know, I'd be pretty stoked if they drafted him. But uh, those would be the two. I guess the surprise probably would be that I didn't mention wide receiver. I'm actually pretty excited to see what they're able to do with uh, Juju and Marquez. I, you know, I have this like, and maybe I'm just an eternal optimist, but this idea that somehow, you know, teams had, had figured us out because they really focused on shutting down one guy. And now we've kind of split his skill set into multiple players. So, yeah, you could shut down one part of the skill set by shutting down one or, you know, you kind of pick your poison. Um, but you might not be able to shut down the entirety of the skill set um, now. So, again, probably, you know, smoking that opium a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel better about the wide receiver position than I think a lot of folks do. Okay. Sterling, what about you? How 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 draft-ready is this offense? Do you share – the, the optimism at whiteout? No, I don't. That, that optimism at whiteout, I love it and I wish I was, but no, I think the Chiefs need to go in and get at least one guy early at wide receiver. I, Sky Moore would be phenomenal because Tyreek Hill's gone. Now you can get a guy who's a speed first player, a guy who you don't have to fit that box because you're right, Val, Valdez Scantling, he's what, 6'4? Right, he's fast and six four. Juju, good possession wide receiver. If you want to go out and get that guy who is just lightning fast, a very good route runner, I think Sky Moore could be could be an answer and a guy you probably wouldn't have looked at before you traded Tyreek because he's only five foot ten. Um, as far as right tackle goes, I have a lot of faith in Lucas Niang. Maybe too much faith if you want to talk about hope. I have hope for for Lucas Niang to be a great right tackle. If they wanted to get a tackle, I wouldn't be opposed. And the reason why, too, is this could put pressure on Orlando Brown Jr. If you get a guy who could potentially play left tackle, I know you're not going to get an elite guy potentially in the second round, third round, I understand. But just to even put that pressure on Orlando Brown Jr. to say, hey, you know what? We have a guy. We're not going to make you the third highest paid left tackle when you've been maybe the seventh or eighth best. That puts some pressure on OBJ to actually go out there and perform. Uh, but wide receiver is is pretty much the only spot. If you want to say running back depth, fine. Tyler Beatty from Mizzou in the fourth round, I would love because he's a very, very good pass catcher, extremely good pass catcher. I'm a Mizzou fan, went to Mizzou, watched all of his games. His emergence from a guy who I was like, why is this dude taking carries from Larry Roundtree, who's also in the NFL, to his senior year, me going, holy shit, now I see why he was taking carries and time snaps (laughs) away from Larry Roundtree. Tyler Beatty would be a guy that I think would complement this offense very well. Man. Yeah, and actually, just to, to add to your point, by the way, I, when I when I talk about wide receiver and whether or not I think they're draft ready, I guess the way I look at it is like, do I feel like they need to reach because they're just desperate for a guy? I think wide receiver is one where they've, they've shored up their bases a little bit. You know, we'll, we'll talk about the defense here in a moment, but there, there's a couple positions there where I just feel like they kind of have to reach if they want to get the type of guy they could actually roll out there for 17 games. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the running back position real fast because that's one that that I mean, Jordan, you brought it up. It was a it was a popular subject today in the Discord channel with Arrowhead Attic uh, members and 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 some of our contributors there, and and it really seems like people are divided into two camps. One being the obvious: look, we stuck a first round pick in it, so someone strike me with lightning if we got to invest another high pick in this position. And the other one being, hey, look. Like Sterling Holmes would say, that's say a stunt cost, yes! right? <laughs> and, and look, you got to have a great running back or or set up there. Clyde's already been in the league for two years. His rookie deal is up in two more if they don't put out a fifth year option there. So drafting another guy there just gives you longevity, more ability, 
another another player there. Rojo's only signed for a year. I can see both sides of this, right? No more than and a fourth. No more than a fourth. No more than a fourth for you, Sterling. Jordan, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, again, if you get a, you know, and here's the thing, I we talked about it. I'll never get over the Kareem Hunt thing just because I think he made this offense, you know, more dynamic than really we gave him credit for. Um, so if you if you get him or that type of player um, in the third round, maybe. But again, I to to Sterling's kind of point, I think the problem is not so much that you have Clyde Edwards, Elair, and there's that, you know, potentially sunk costs or, you know, you're worried about, you know, sending the wrong signal there. It's that you have way other, you know, larger needs on the team and using those early round picks on a position where, I mean, most teams string together a committee. Uh, most teams don't have a three down back and, and it really hasn't hurt the chiefs too much over the last couple of years. So I just think if you're going to go all in on focusing on positions of value, focus on positions of value, um, you know, and so I, I agree. I, I would say third, only if you're like, I cannot believe this guy fell. We got to get him. But that's like a very low probability uh, situation for me. Yeah. The, the complicating factor here is that uh, Clyde, has never been healthy. And w- yeah. like when you're talking about the Chiefs, you're not talking about a 17-game season. You're talking about a 20-game season. Like, let's be honest about the – the like, we expect this team to play 20 games, and so the need is there. I'm not saying the need for a high draft pick is there, but I'm saying the need mm-hmm. for more talent in the backfield is there. And whether that's a fifth-rounder, whether that's signing low-level free agents, whatever it is, and that's why people can even talk about this in the first place. It'll be interesting to me to see how this plays out. Andy doesn't run the football. Yeah. The Chiefs won the Super Bowl with Damian Williams. Yeah, look at where he was yeah. drafted. If you want to look and take a look at the the past previous Super Bowl winners, if you want to try and find where the great running backs are, feel free. One out of 20, two out of 20, I don't even have it in front of me. You don't need to spend a lot to get good value at running back. I'm oh. going to support Clyde Edwards-Alaire because he's here in Kansas City. I like Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's a good player. A first-round draft pick on a running back makes zero sense, especially mm-hmm. in this offense. Yeah. Guys, by the way, can we please get over Kareem Hunt? This was like th- <laughs> three years ago now, right? Yeah. Like, like come on. It's, it, this is a sunk cost. Three years ago, he's gone. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was a very good Kansas City Chief player. It, it ain't happening. He's not back here. Yeah. In Can- It'd be great if we had prime Jamal Charles, too. Right. Yeah. Like- well, to, to Sterling's point, I mean, even in the 2020 run, right, I think it was against Cleveland and Buffalo, I, I'm pretty sure Daryl Williams got the bulk of those snaps. Yeah. And yeah. So it's like and, – and he did really well, too. It wasn't like he, he didn't perform. Like, he – he wasn't, you know, giving you outsized production at the position, but it was, I mean, we, we smoked the Bills that year with a guy who is an undrafted, you know, running back. So, yeah, I, I tend to agree. It's, it's you're wasting a lot by picking a guy that high. Man. Hey, listeners, viewers, we're talking how draft-ready is the Chiefs roster right now, meaning how ready are they to go into the draft without feeling a need to reach at a certain position. We're talking the offensive side. If you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. Um, if you're listening, we'd love to have uh, your reviews. Leave us a question in the reviews. We'll read them on the air. Let's get to the defensive side here because I think here's where all of our like red flags suddenly start to go up, right? You know, the Chiefs obviously had defensive needs coming into the offseason. They've made some moves, right? Like, we've seen some additions made, signings, Justin Reed, etc. How draft-ready is this defense, if at all? I feel like I need to laugh even as I'm saying that that question. Sterling, we'll start with you because I lived with Jordan the last time. What's the glaring area here, or, or do you feel like, no, they don't have to reach? Uh, well, come on. It's edge and it's cornerback. Do they have to reach? That remains to be seen. Maybe you don't have to necessarily reach, but it's not looking good. They need some top-end talent at edge 
In today's NFL, the two things that are most important is having a quarterback and then affecting the quarterback. And that starts with your edge. They have not made any moves in free agency that we expected them to make. We all, at least myself, is now getting desperate for Jadavian Clowney. And when I hit that part of the offseason, that means help me. That means help me. So I, I think the Chiefs make a big investment at edge. I don't know if they make an early draft pick at corner. They just haven't. That's that's not their M.O. I would like them to, but I'd also like a million dollars, and that doesn't seem to happen anytime soon. So <laughs> I think they'll have some investment at corner, but whether that's early or not, I don't think it's going to be the case. I know we talked about D-tackle and interior defensive line. If Devontae Wyatt from Georgia is still available, I know he's interior, not edge, this would be a very interesting pick for Kansas City. I've seen him mocked anywhere from 16 to the Eagles to the second round. But Georgia's defense was just insane, right? Georgia's defense was incredible. And Wyatt generated the best PFF grade of any defense alignment on that team. He was the second best rated PFF guy of any Georgia defender. So, just someone to keep uh, keep an eye on. If Devontae Wyatt is there, uh, I will be screaming for him uh, around 29 or 30. That takes a lot of pressure off a lack of edge rushers. <sighs> if your interior is Chris Jones and Devontae Wyatt and is generating that much pressure inside uh, as a three technique or something there. So, I mean, that's a great, that's a great point um, from Sterling. Jordan, how are you viewing the, the defense and, and what would be your take there? Yeah. I mean, I, my personal opinion is they need an infusion of talent at pretty much every level. The, the only one that I actually – well, I, I should take that back. I, I think safety, they're somewhat set right. I, I'm not looking for them to to use one of their first or even maybe a second on a safety. Um, linebackers, probably similar, though I, I like the focus that they've had on the linebacker position because I think that's helped a lot. Um, the last couple of years, and, and there's a lot of talent in that group now. But again, yeah, I, I think without question, Edge, they have to reach for um, because there's just not going to be anybody there. Um, so unless they've got some secret trade working, um, I, I really do think if some if one of the top guys falls to the mid-teens, you really do have to go and get him because they've just – They've kind of been living on fumes the last couple of years. And I mean, it arguably, you know, killed the team last year. I mean, there were there were other factors, right? Um, but that was just a massive, massive hole on the team last year. I agree with Sterling that you don't have to reach for a corner just because, frankly, um, we've seen the last few years, there's been a lot of talent in the middle rounds at the corner position, even guys that are ready to, to play a ton of snaps or, you know, be – full-time starters day one um, in the middle rounds. And, and yeah, I, again, I don't think it's really Beach's MO to, to reach for that type of uh, position. Um, again, I think, though, you know, if, if we're talking about focusing on the positions of value, you're either going to pay an edge rusher $25 million in free agency or you're going to trade a bunch of draft capital to get one of the stars in the draft and have, you know, five years – of relatively cheap, you know, edge rushing. So I, I really think they're going to use one of those first round picks to move up. But again, it kind of depends how the board falls, right? Like if the board is just totally crappy by the mid teens, you know, maybe we see them trade back, but I, I just think they've got to pull the trigger. Cause that would also help them with the, you know, salary constraints on the offensive side. They might be able to spend a little bit more because they're focusing less on one of the premium positions for a few years. So that's my main focus going in. I, that's really the main item that I'm concerned with. And really quickly, cornerback is the hardest position to hit on. Uh, who was the cornerback from Ohio State got drafted top six to Detroit? You're talking about number three, Okuda. Okuda, right? And he was supposed to be a can't-miss prospect. I know he got hurt. Didn't look can't-miss to me. What about Jeff Gladney? Supposed to be an absolute stud. I, I wanted him in Kansas, in Kansas City. What about the dude Jacksonville drafted who's now traded to uh, the Panthers? C.J. Henderson. C.J. Henderson. He was top 15. I think he went 12 or 10 or 11, somewhere around there. Yeah. My point point is cornerback is the hardest position, I think, to get a real good read on. So I'm 100% okay waiting at least until the third, fourth round on from there to, uh, to, to put some draft capital in. 
Well, not even just to add a real quick point, not even just to, to hit on in the draft, but to maintain year in and year out. Like usually if you're a great pass rusher, we see those guys maintain that type of production for, you know, five or six years. Whereas if you're a corner, most of them, it's a year or two, they're at the top of their game and they fall off a cliff. You know, so I, I agree with you there. Yeah, Sterling loves to talk about the mercurial nature of of cornerbacks and, it's and it's safety, hard. like a closer in baseball. I mean, You're, there it is. a closer there in is. baseball as a reliever. You can have a great year, one or two seasons, then you just get destroyed. Wade Davis, Wade Davis was pretty bad. Then he was literally a cyborg, and then he became me out there. I mean, like yeah, Craig he became a Rocky. He became a Craig Rocky. Kimbrell was in crib for ten years. And then literally was out there just getting just blown up. It's yeah. so difficult, and it's it's corner cornerback to me is the exact same uh, exact same way. Yeah, sorry, I have one last point here to add too because the first year of Spagnolo, we actually had a pretty decent pass rush, and I would argue our our name recognition at the corner position was not top of the market. Right, we kind of had some mid level guys, and from an advanced statistical standpoint, they were you know I think number six in past defense that year. And so, I mean, I, I think this defense is built on the pass rush and that's why they've struggled so much last year and, and to end the year um, in 2020. So I, I, I pretty much agree across the board with you there. Hey, it's important. To, it's important to remember with cornerback that like if Fenton can lock down outside yep. and, and if, if Sneed can lock down outside, it's much easier to find a nickel corner, someone to defend in the slot. Like in the mid rounds, you can still get someone who's actually like like excellent in the mm-hmm. slot. Like like you can find like if you draft a linebacker in the fourth round who's only a run stuffer, you can still get like a very good run stuffing linebacker because mm-hmm. it's one dimensional. And so if the Chiefs feel good about those guys on the boundary, the two primary that they have now, and they want to wait to add a young a younger guy who's, who's more of a nickel player in the third, fourth round, they can still come away with a great slot defender there if they feel good about Fenton and Snead on the outside. Yeah. Um, although, of course, I, th- I think we'd love to see something there. Brian Hedrick has a question. He says, what do you think about a pre-draft or draft a trade for like a Bud Dupree or maybe a corner like Marshawn Lattimore? We've already talked about this just a little bit here, but want to go back to that just a- as a question in general, it seems like our tenor here is stop going for big time, already big time paycheck mm-hmm. guys. Um, but what if it addresses one of these needs, like edge or corner that we've been talking about? Depends on how much money it's going to cost. <laughs> it depends on the capital and how much money it's going to cost. I like Marshawn Lattimore, right? I think Bud Dupree is fine. Again, I think the Chiefs have a strategy, and I prefer them to keep to the strategy and not and not sway. Um mm-hmm. That, that's just that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, again, I, I think the old or what we've seen of Brett Veach, whether that's the old Brett Veach now or or not, um, he typically would, you know, try and get a home run trade uh, with one of these picks, especially considering we have 12. I just think they're probably starting to see the limitations of that strategy where you know, last year in particular, um, you have a couple stars have a bad game and and you're out of the playoffs, right, or, or even a bad half. And so I, I think without, you know, speaking with Brett Beach personally, it does appear as though they are looking at building out that depth, building out that value. And so, again, I, that it would send a little bit of a mixed signal if they let Tyreek walk and then they brought in, you know, somebody who's on – you know, their third contract getting close to that age 30. I mean, it just, it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. And frankly, letting Tyreek walk, walk would look a lot worse if they went down that path. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, this is good. I, I, uh, I think that, I think the draft ready, I'll, I think the roster is not draft ready. I, I would love to see a, a veteran signing at defensive end, especially before we head into the draft. Um, I don't like playing the waiting game until July with a guy like Melvin Ingram um, yeah. because, and I think honestly, I'd love to see the Chiefs double dip at the position. The Buffalo Bills did a year ago with Russo and Basham. Um, the Colts did the same last year. First two picks um, as as edge rushers. It, it wouldn't shock me at all to see the Chiefs do that. I think they should do that. 
I think they should do that with only a single pick in each round, let alone having two picks in each of the first four rounds. you got to come away with at least a first and a third invested at the position. And, and I'm not the only one. I'm reading the comments here. D-line, can't stress it enough, etc. Guys, I want to read something here from Seth Fritz, one of the commenters. It was a few minutes ago, but I wanted to do it toward the end of the show here. Seth writes, hey, y'all, I'm from KC and have been a lifelong Chiefs fan. I just lost my father recently. And he was the reason I got into the Chiefs as a kid. Listening to AA has been a great distraction. Thank you. Uh, Seth, I just want to say, first of all, it's an honor to have you or anyone else listen. So sorry to hear about your father. I know for a lot of us, those familial connections are what Chiefs Kingdom helps hold in tension. Jordan just like Jordan celebrating the recent birth of his own son from less than a week ago. And I'm assuming he's going to pass down his Chiefs. I mean, can't, can't wait, man. Can't wait. <laughs> right? Like it's celebrating. Like yeah. my son is eight now and starting to get into the things that I'm into or asking like, what's going on? What's that about? Sharing those kind of things. So Seth, that I know, I know that probably rooting for the Chiefs is extending your uh, these great memories with your dad. Uh, we here at Chiefs Kingdom just want to say sorry for your loss and and just hope that anything that we can do to help you know, ease that burden, pass that, you know, fill that space, be that distraction, but also be a part of like the thing that, that brings us all together and helps make these memories in the first place. So our hearts are for you in in this time, thoughts and prayers for you and your family there. Um, and honestly, let me just say this to anyone listening, watching it all. Uh, I think this is just true of everyone that we're all in this time. I'll just speak for myself that we're all just trying our best to get through each day, the best that we can. Right. Um, in what can often be divisive days, trying times, etc. cetera. Uh, Chiefs fandom for me is, um, is work, but it's also a way to connect, connect with fans, connect with, with, with Jordan and, and Sterling and the other guys who help run the podcast, connect with you as, as, as viewers and listeners. And uh, so we just appreciate this connection that we all have and the ability to share in this and, and, and spout off about our favorite team in the first place. So, um, Seth, appreciate you even sharing that, and and I think all of us here just feel the same way about our fandom and the ability it gives us to connect with each other. So thinking of you there, um, guys. Any parting thoughts before we head out of here today, and and uh, before Jordan try, tries to go back to sleep from from not from not having anything. Dude, I just got goosebumps. How do we even go on after that? That was incredible, man. Matt, hell yeah, dude. Seth, we're here with you, man. But Matt, that was just very eloquent. Keep the faith, guys. I know it's not pretty as far as what you're seeing for the Chiefs going forward for next season. But think of the bigger picture here. The Chiefs are still, most places you look, top three, top four favorite for the Super Bowl next year. There's still a lot of talent on this roster. 15 is still the quarterback. While it might not be as dominating, as long as you give yourself a chance, that's what really matters. Does the best team win every single season? They should. They don't. I mean, look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Were they, were they the best team in the AFC last year? No one outside of Cincinnati believes that. Give yourself a chance. The Chiefs are giving. They're going to give themselves a chance for a long time. This is the way you build a dynasty. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the same thing. I, I think right now what you've got is a lot of paper tigers uh, in the NFL, and, and that doesn't mean these teams won't be great, but. Um, the Chiefs have made it to four straight AFC championship games and past success doesn't guarantee future success. But when you have one of the best coaches in the league, arguably the best quarterback in the league, you know, premier talent at key positions. I mean, again, you know, there, there's also a mentality thing where, you know, those those teams in the AFC West in particular, I think that we're most worried about those teams have lost to us every single year. And there's kind of a a mentality that the Chiefs are the big dogs. There's a fear there, right? And so, um, you know, while I think it's going to be a lot more challenging than it has been in years past, I still anticipate the Chiefs are going to be right there for the AFC West crown, right there for the the Super Bowl when it, you know, when it comes down to it. So this team is going to look dramatically different in three weeks time, let alone (laughs) in three months time. My name is Matt Connor. You can see me at Matt Connor AA on Twitter. Sterling Holmes at HomestretchKC. You can also hear him on ESPN Radio. And at Chief in STL St. Louis, Jordan Mannix, our friend, AA contributor, and brand new father. Congratulations, Jordan. Thank you. Uh, you won't remember any of this because I don't I know 
I, you don't remember anything from the first like six months. You're like, did that happen? I don't remember anything. That's that's the way that goes. Hey to all of you out there, thanks for listening once again. We appreciate you all. And until next time, go Chiefs. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Find easy ways to store your outdoor tools and accessories at Menards. Suncast provides high quality and easy to assemble storage. Suncast storage sheds are the perfect solution for organizing and protecting your outdoor tools and equipment. Plus, their all-weather construction is low maintenance. Explore all our outdoor storage options in-store and on Menards.com. And check out more of our great deals going on now at Menards. Save big.